0: Park Avenue, New York City, 1946. Almost a year later, Bill McDonough was riding an elevator up to the top of the Andrew Ryan arms, but he felt like he was sinking under the sea. He was toting a box of pipe fittings in one hand, tool kit in the other. He'd been sent so hastily by the maintenance manager he didn't even have the bloody name of his customer but his mind was on earlier doings in another building, a small office building in lower Manhattan. He'd taken the morning off from his plumbing business to interview for an assistant engineer job. The pay would start low, but the job would take him in a more ambitious direction. They had looked at him with only the faintest interest when he'd walked into the Feebin Lieber and Quiff engineering firm. The two interviewers were a couple of snotty wankers. One of them was Feebin Jr., they seemed bored by the time they called him in, and their faint flicker of interest evaporated completely when he started talking about his background. He had done his best to speak in American phraseology to suppress his accent, but he knew it slipped out. They were looking for some snappy young chap out of New York University, not a cockney blighter who'd worked his way through the East London School of Engineering and Mechanical Vocation. Bill heard them say it through the door after they'd dismissed him another limey grease monkey. All right then, so he was a grease monkey, just a mechanic, and lately a freelance plumbing contractor, a dirty little job screwing pipes for the knobs, heading up to some rich bloke's penthouse. There was no shame in it. But there wasn't much money in it either, working on assignment for Chanowski's maintenance. It'd be a long time before he could save up enough to start a big contracting outfit of his own, He had a couple of lads hired on from time to time, but not the big contracting and engineering company he'd always envisioned. And Mary Louise had made it clear as polished glass she was not really interested in marrying a glorified plumber. I had enough of fellas that think they're the cat's meow because they can fix the turlet, she said. A pretty girl from the Bronx was Mary Louise Fenson and raring to go, but not terribly bright after all. Probably drive him barmy anyway. The moment he'd got home, the phone rang. Bud Chinowski, barking about getting his ass to an address in Manhattan on Park Avenue. Their building maintenance was absent without leave, probably drunk somewhere, and the big shot at the penthouse needed plumbers. Fast as you can drag your lazy ass over there. We got three bathrooms to finish installing. Get those witless wrench jockeys of yours over there, too. He'd called Roy Finn and Pablo Navarro to go on ahead of him, Then he changed out of the ill-fitting suit into the gray, grease-stained coveralls. Lime-a-grease monkey, he'd murmured, buttoning up. And here he was, wishing he'd taken time for a cigarette before coming. He couldn't smoke in a posh flat like this without permission. He stepped glumly out of the elevator into an antechamber to the penthouse, his toolbox clanking at his side. The little wood paneled room was scarcely bigger than the elevator. An artfully paneled mahogany door with a brass knob, embossed with an eagle, was its only feature, besides a small metal grid next to the door. He tried the knob. Locked. He shrugged and knocked on the door. Waiting, he started to feel a little claustrophobic. Hello? He called. "Plumbing Contractor, from Chinowskis. Hello? Don't drop your H's, you bastard, he told himself. Hello? a crackling sound, and a low, forceful voice emanated from the grid. That the other plumber, is it? Uh, he bent and spoke briskly into the grid. It is, sir. No need to shout into the intercom. The door clicked within itself, and to Bill's amazement, it didn't swing inward, but slid into the wall up to the knob. He saw there was a metal runner in the floor, and at the edge of the door, a band of steel. It was wood on the outside, steel inside, like this man was worried someone might try to fire a bullet through it. No one was visible on the other side of the open doorway. He saw another hallway, carpeted, with some rather fine old paintings, one of which might be a Dutch master if he remembered anything from his trips to the British Museum. A Tiffany lamp stood on an inlaid table, glowing like a gem. This toff's got plenty of the ready, Bill thought. You walk down the hall into a large, plush sitting room. Luxurious sofas, a big, unlit fireplace, more choice paintings, and fine lamps. A grand piano, its wood-polished, almost mirror-like, stood in a corner.